0: Welcome to the Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly Gathering Room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck.
1: Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Gathering Room. How That's Martha are you, Beck. Beck? That's Rowan Mangan. That's who we are. We're here together. How are you doing? How you doing, guys? We had kind of a hard day. Yeah, it's been a hard one over like here. Like
0: us and some of our friends who aren't even here. Kind of had a hard day. Like we woke up
1: with a feeling in the air. I think a lot of you guys are feeling the same way.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's just the heartbreak. It's like in the movies when, for example, if you go to watch Lord of the Rings and it starts in the Shire and everybody's doing lovely things and it's a lovely place, lovely countryside and everyone's friendly and everything's nice. And when you go to a movie and that's how it starts, you know things are going to happen. And then conflict comes into the plot and People take different sides, and wars start, and arguments start, and the peace of the shire is disturbed. And it's heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, and you know, and you realize that the shire was never that peaceful to begin with. And you just, you know. Yeah, you realize that
0: um, a lot of a lot of things in the shire were being sort of held down. Maybe you've had an experience like that with your family of origin or your some relationship where everything's fine on the surface because everybody's putting up with the way things are but there are cracks in the foundation and the whole thing under
1: pressure starts to
0: rattle a bit
1: yeah uh you have things to say i have things to say i just want to say as always guys um questions in in the comments and and just an extra request today that we we make sure we're as compassionate to each other as we can be in this space. It's a safe space um, and supportive one. So lots of love and I'll see you in a few minutes. All right. Yeah, it's all about
0: standing for love, understanding, mutual respect, um, and and everyone having the opportunity to live the best life they can create for themselves. So that's the spirit in which I want to talk about this. You know, I got up and for some reason, I never watched the news, especially not in the morning. Sometimes I'll catch a bit of it while Karen's watching it in the evening. But for some reason, I checked the news right after the video was released um, about the death of George Floyd. And I think like anybody who's watched that, I had very strong feelings I don't know if my feelings were the same as yours, but I had very strong feelings. And then I watched a lot of my friends on Facebook and on Instagram and other social media platforms speaking out about it. Um, And I thought, but you know, I get up at six in the morning, I meditate for an hour, I'm in the forest, deer are walking past, foxes go by. And I just sit there knowing that we're all one and feeling that we're all one and feeling these waves of love for every sentient being in the world. And then I get up and I look at people worlds, social media, television, and I see what I've always known was there. I mean, as I may have told you, my doctorate is in sociology. I've been studying American society since I was about 20 years old. And I've had a lot to do with Africa as well. It's one of my passion places. And the issues of race and inequity inevitably come up in the context of those societies that is just part of the human equation. Hang on, we're having technical checks. Okay, technical check, got it. So um, so I thought, but you know, this isn't really my fight. This is to, it's time to pass the mic to people of color and listen and listen and listen from our places, those of us who are in a place of privilege or in a a culture or racial group of privilege. So I've been listening and this morning I got up and I just felt like, no, I I can't actually, it's reached that point where I can't actually not talk about it (laughs) in public. And I was talking to Ro and she said, she like, we all met for breakfast and she was, already in tears and saying, you know what, the, the feeling in the country is so overwhelming. What can we do? And then we got a call from one of the people on my MBI team. She sounded like she was in tears and she said, um, maybe since the country appears to be burning itself down, we should be talking about it. And then I got a call from this amazing Wayfinder coach who's gone through my program, who is an African-American and like all my african american friends she expressed a tolerance, a forgiveness, a, a hugeness of spirit that i actually can't even imagine having in her situation. She just said, "Please, please let people know that we are people, you know, that, that these deaths that happen, they are not random faceless things. These are human beings." And you know, I'm not going to say the names of of the whole list on the hashtag Say Their Names um, site, but I will say a couple of them, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. These are people, these are human beings. These are not, they are not other. They are not other. Now, in every single society on earth, in every human mind on earth, there is a psychological tendency that social scientists call otherizing. And it's very simple. We, we find ourselves in a group. We say, this is our in-group. This, these, And then we name ourselves the real people. And everywhere you go in the world, you will find different languages where the people who speak that language, the word for themselves in that language is the real people. And then everyone else becomes the not real or the not people. And then the other is dehumanized, objectified, seen as a mere dark mechanism. So for example, you know, you see in, in, I was talking about Lord of the Rings, the enemies are not people who look like the hobbits and the elves and the and the humans they're horrible disfigured ogreish nasty orcs in star wars <clears throat> you know the stormtroopers all have these faceless masks so they're all just these white plastic things running around and there's you don't feel anything when they blow up dehumanizing and, and depersonalizing your opponent the other is a mechanism in the human brain And it's very primitive. It comes from our history as social apes and it's almost universal. It's something that uh, it happens in the emotional level of of the brain. To overcome it, we have to go to the neocortex, to the logical part of the brain, or we have to connect with the other in such a way that their humanity is manifestly obvious in our own emotional brains. So, uh, if you can imagine your own child getting up every day and going out into a world where he or she might be, um, will certainly be discriminated against and potentially attacked or um, thrown in prison or whatever, at a a statistical likelihood that is much greater than yours, just see if that can have access in your heart. If we can open our hearts to each other's humanity, to our shared humanity, it becomes impossible to want to hurt the other because there is no other. So I talk a lot about spirituality and enlightenment and all this stuff um, on these weekly gatherings And one of the things that appears in every spiritual tradition, yes, there are names all over the world of people who are the real people, and then they go to war against the other people. And usually, historically, they are of the same race. It breaks down in racial along racial lines in the modern world because that's what the colonialism of the of Europe in the 18th century created. It was you know race and color were used as markers of humanity. And, and specialness or inhumanity and suitable for degradation, you know? That's just how it broke down in that culture. But it's in all these cultures, but also in every culture, in every culture, there are people, the medicine people, who go, or, and the people who listen to the medicine people, who spend a lot of time in self-reflection who pay attention to what causes suffering and pain in themselves, who don't want to feel alone and isolated in the world, but want to feel that they're connected. And those people, they do various practices, prayer, meditation, ceremonies, chanting, whatever it is, there are a lot of portals to it. But at some point, the otherness and the tendency to otherize cracks open and they feel that we're just one thing. This is also the reality that we hear from physics, at least from the austere model of quantum mechanics, that everything is just wave energy in the universe and it's all connected because wave energy always interacts. We're all governed by the same um, wave action that fills the entire universe. When Jill Bolte-Taylor, the neuroanatomist who had a stroke, lost the left hemisphere of her brain and lost most language, she saw that she was fluid, she said, a field of energy interacting with other fields of energy. And she said, I didn't know the name, I didn't know what the word doctor meant or even the word mother, but I can tell you, I knew when an energy came into the room and connected with mine, whether it was loving or whether it was cold and detached, whether it saw me as a real person inside a damaged brain and not just an object. And she said, I don't want anyone with, with that objectifying energy in my life ever. And it just takes that, you guys, for us to go into that otherizing mind. As I said, it's, it's, it's part of our biological heritage. Like, don't feel bad if it happens to you. It literally happens to everyone. Um, it's part of wanting to keep ourselves safe. We want to find a group and cluster with them and attack anyone who comes in. But if we can follow the practices, the spiritual practices of the wayfinders from all cultures in all times and get to that place where we stop being separate little selves, then we are perceivably one being with all our human brothers and sisters and with every sentient being. And that's why Jesus said, you know, when I help someone, it's like my hand reaching up to scratch my head. It's like, you are a part of me. If you hurt, I hurt. You know, we are not separate. Now, I could tell you this in a moralizing thing, like, oh, you are calling people separate and you feel separate, so you shouldn't do that. That's not what I'm doing. Please hear, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is saying that the thought of being separate and feeling separate is not reality. It is not the truth. And when we believe it, it hurts us. So every person I've ever coached or every friend I've ever talked to in the middle of the night, all our pain came down to one horrifying, frozen, central thought, which was maybe I'm all alone. Maybe no one loves me. Maybe I'm by myself. And that pain, the deepest pain in everyone I've ever coached from Africa to America, to Europe, to. Central America, everywhere. That is the one central human pain. And when we lose that pain for our own happiness, kapow, we find that we are not alone, we are all one. And then when part of us gets hurt, the other part, so when George Floyd gets hurt and Ahmaud Arbery gets hurt and Breonna Taylor gets hurt, it hurts all of us because we are not Separate. So get out of separation to be happy for yourself. And then notice what happens when part of yourself is denigrated or attacked or killed. You know, whether they're black, white, yellow, blue, or green, it does not matter. What matters is that we are not separate. And we, if we drop into our hearts for the sake of our own happiness, They expand to hold everyone. And then it's just like when somebody's standing on your foot, you kind of need to say, could you please get off my foot? That hurts. And when someone is hurting your child, when somebody is making fun of my son with Down syndrome and he can't speak for himself because he's disempowered and small, it, in my own integrity, because he is me, I say, please don't talk about my son that way. And when someone is subjected to bigotry, prejudice, someone is, is in poverty, extraordinary rates of infection with COVID-19, when that happens to people who are part of me, I have to say, please, please, could we notice this isn't working? Could we listen to them and see what they need? See what they're saying to us? Because they're the ones feeling this for all of us. And, If we listen, we can know what to do. And if we don't, if we decide that we know everything and we're separate, two things happen. The world explodes, everything burns itself down, and we lose our chance at happiness, that deep internal happiness that comes from being completely in what we know to be the truth, from the deepest core to the most logical part of our minds. So that's what I have to say just please let's let's all start listening and start feeling for one another and have a little discussion and i want to give special thanks to my beautiful wayfinder who wrote to me this morning love you should i say i didn't know if you wanted to be identified didn't really <laughs> we love you
1: yeah we sure do and thanks everyone who's Joining in. Oh, it's heavy stuff, y'all. Um.
0: Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose
1: Bella says, Martha, what are you doing to make racism in America end? The first thing I'm doing is ending it in myself
0: as best I can. And that means, like I read stuff about how people reflexively react differently to a black face and a white face. Malcolm Gladwell, whose mother is is black, his father is white, he takes that test and says even he has an instinctive um, negative reaction to the darker face. I think, oh, I would never, I would never But do I ever? When I first arrive in Africa, I look around and I say, I look at all the people and I think, if I were in your place and you were in mine, I would be kind of mad at me. Like I would be mad at white people. And for that reason, I feel defensive and slightly afraid for the first few hours. And then everybody's so human that it just disappears. But in that moment, Am I racist? I got to catch that. I've got to look at it. I've got to analyze it. I've got to gently reschool myself. That's the first thing. Notice it in myself, stop it in myself. Second, look for opportunities to do things constructively and without conflict that can give power to peace. So I've been donating money to institutions that I think are going to be really helpful in um, reducing Racism and all the, the violence and the the inequalities that have been so exaggerated during <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> during the pandemic because preferentially the jobs lost were lost by people of color um, the the underlying conditions that make people vulnerable are associated with poverty you know you know which just
1: reveals you know how systemic right the, the inequality is and how it just rushes <clears throat> through everything and, a, and a, you know something like COVID comes up and it it hits at yeah.
0: this point. I mean the Navajo Nation has lost so many more people and I grew up those were my there were no African Americans in my town growing up but some of my friends were Navajo and they don't have people to lose you guys there's not enough people left of that to lose. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I look for constructive ways to do it. And then, you know, it's funny, till today I did not feel like posting on social media about it. I was like, look, here's a bird, you know? Um, but when it's in my heart and in my, and I know that I would feel like I was chickening out if I didn't tell my piece of what I feel, I have to speak. Even though within five minutes, you know, people were like, rawr. <laughs> you know, you don't, I, we put up a post, I put up a post and, um and expected slack because that's what happens when we speak out and that's okay. People are hurting. It's okay if they say what they want. It's just that we have to say what we want or need to say, even though we may be afraid of what
1: other people might say in return. Tracy says, I believe we're all one. I have such a feeling of hopelessness right now. How do we work our way through that? I think, Elia. Eckhart Tolle says, when you're in complete hopelessness,
0: you're one step away from utter destruction and one step away from enlightenment. When you go to a place where there is no more hope for fixing the system, there is a chance that your mind will break free from the system. And then within you, there will be no divisions, there will be no wars, there will be no hatred or discrimination. And at that point, you become, um peculiarly powerful. Enlightened people like Gandhi, for example, I don't know if he was fully enlightened, but he certainly practiced the principles. And it didn't, he didn't survive it, but boy, did that one small human create a massive amount of change. I was just reading a quote, I can't remember who gave it, but it, was, it says, if you think one person can make a difference, try to go to sleep with a mosquito in the room. You know, you can be the mosquito. Nelson Mandela uh, came out of Robben Island, the prison where he was kept unjustly for 27 years and emanated this tangible, powerful peace that calmed the entire country of South Africa and everyone felt it. So that's, that's what we do with our hopelessness. We bring ourselves to the point where we stop hoping for the things that we'd hoped for, Like, everything's okay, right? Like, I don't have to do anything about this or it'll fix itself or whatever. And you just say, I give up. You surrender and then you fall into something deeper, into something wider and more powerful. And that actually can work through you to do things you couldn't do on
1: your own. And Martha doesn't mean you give up on the material, practical level. She's talking about an inner process. For how we deal with it in ourselves of course we continue to go out and speak and you know raise our voices and donate money and protest on the streets and do what we can you know of course we do that too don't give up yeah the,
0: by surrender I don't mean surrender to injustice I mean surrender to the fact that reality is as it, as it is in this moment and by that I mean you give up resistance to reality being what it is so you give up your mental resistance to allowing reality to connect with you And at that point, this larger intelligence begins to work with, because reality is truth and truth is divine. And the divine, I believe, is the intelligence of the universe. And so when you say, this is the reality and I'm not going to struggle against it in my mind, I'm going to accept what's true, including the heartbreak, boom, something comes in and says, now, in this state where you've surrendered your own individual will and your denial, you will be used as a pencil in the hand of God, as Mother Teresa put it. You surrender to love. You never surrender to
1: injustice. Perfect. A few people are asking in various ways about how do we deal with the people that we may encounter or know who don't believe that we're all one.
0: Know that they're in pain. Um, wish them like in your heart, if you can. I mean, when I this is what when I talk about my African American friends and my African friends, for that matter, um, Black Africans, the amount of compassion that they have for white people is mind blowing to me. Um, I can't even imagine it. But they—they're so like. I get that you're hurting. I get that you're scared. I really get that. Now these are my friends, so it's a self-selected sample. So I'm not making a racial generalization either. My white friends are the same way. But um, when we lost my train of thought. Um, What was I talking about? I was talking about the compassion the forgiveness, oh yeah. When people are like extremely anti what we're believing, go to that place of compassion and see if you can understand that if you believed what they believed in that moment, you would be feeling and saying and doing similar things. They're prisoners of their own belief systems. And that doesn't mean you should ever let injustice keep occurring. It means that in your heart, you understand that this person is coming out of pain and misunderstanding while you act to make sure that justice is served as well as possible. So I always say Jeffrey Dahmer, who killed an eight, 18 people. Yes, forgive him, understand that he was crazy. It may not even have been his fault, but don't let him run around in the general population. You know, if there's a severe injustice, it must be addressed in the law, in the polity, in the economy, and we're pushing forward to do that. But in your heart, see if you can look at that person and say, I've been scared. I've been out of my head with pain. I've I've exaggerated things. I get it. I get you. Listen to everyone, even them, but make sure justice moves forward as best you can.
1: Yeah. I just want to point out, Megan DeGraff has said um, that something that's good to read is um, Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad. Mm -hmm. And um, thanks for the recommendation. I will definitely give that a read.
0: Yeah, I was reading
1: um, an article by James
0: Baldwin, one of the great black American authors this morning that was incredibly powerful, read anything of his you can. I was reading um, the speeches of Dr. Martin Luther King. I mean, my God, what a wordsmith, what a soul. Uh, You cannot hang out with people who are of different races, economic levels, cultures. You can't actually connect with them and listen to their stories and look into their eyes without forgetting that you're separate. So, connect, read the work of black authors, read Alice Walker, read Toni Morrison, Um, watch interviews with them, get to know them as friends and get to know other people who, who disagree with you and listen to them with forgiveness in your heart and with love in your heart and with empathy. And that way you start to process this huge mess that we've all inherited. None of us, all of us were born into it, you guys, all of us. So I'm not blaming any of you or myself, but I am saying to make sense of this mess we were born into, we must go into ourselves and find a way to be happy. That's all you need to do, to be happy yourself, because along the way you will encounter love, you will encounter forgiveness, you will encounter understanding, you will encounter listening, you will encounter empathy, you will encounter love and you'll encounter the one that is all of us. And it wants to come make things different, I believe. We've always progressed toward levels of justice that have never been seen in the past. And I always used to wonder about that as a sociologist, like, how do we know? We, we hear the words, all men are created equal. And I'm like, okay, so when he wrote that down, or copied it from John Locke. Thomas Jefferson actually owned slaves, Er, er, uh, Makes no sense, but it's still, he wrote it down and a bunch of people looked at it and went, yes, that is self-evident. Now, they only meant that white property owning males were equal, but it was (laughs) a beginning. And then people said, you know what? That sounds so self-evident. It might even apply to people who aren't white or who don't have property or even who are female. It's so crazy, it just might work. And the establishment, sorry, always said, how dare you? And still we've moved closer and closer and closer to seeing all humanity as equal and equally deserving. So it's not hopeless. We are creating a better world, better than it ever was in the past. you know, it goes up and down, but going forward, I think, better than it's been for any of us in our lifetimes. But it has to be disrupted to change. And I think that's what's happening now. Just like I said at the beginning of the pandemic, there's a big change coming to the economy. It's going to break up the capitalist structures that are holding in place a lot of these inequities. And it's going to break up a lot of our daily habits, the patterns of feeding our lives into the sort of corporate machines and so on and it's going to give us a chance at freedom. Now, in the context of the pandemic, comes a wave of um, atrocities and the resultant reaction. And I say again, it's breaking up what wasn't working because something better wants to emerge. And I truly believe that. And I believe that we here in this gathering room, all of us together, all one, even though we may all be alone, We feel that. We feel the one wanting to change the way things have been and create something, not like the good old days, but like the days that have never been seen. The days when love really was the only force that shapes human behavior.
1: That's what I have to say about that. Everyone take care of yourselves and, Keep listening, keep speaking up. Love to all, you, to all of you, to every
0: person, whatever you may be thinking, feeling, or doing right now. We'll see you next week. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny.